The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. Welcome to the healthcare rap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, and thanks again for listening. Here on the Healthcare App, we believe that the healthcare experience has to change, and we're trying to do something about it. If you want to help healthcare be more about consumers and innovation, this is the place for you. We're going to help you find your place in the digital transformation movement, and you're going to be one of the ones leading meaningful change. We can either stand back and let it take another 50 years, or we can jump in right now. And I think you know how we roll. We're not going to coast in neutral. We're hitting the gas. Each week, we speak with leaders who are part of the digital transformation movement. We share tips on shifting the way that healthcare is experienced digitally and the backstage strategies for marketing, operations, and digital teams to stay ahead of the curve. This is episode number 149. We're now in season five, which is our quest to answer whether it's even possible to provide the healthcare experience that consumers desire. There's a lot of work to do, so it's time to get fired up. Before we launch this rocket ship into orbit, I want to give a quick shout out to the crew at Jennings Healthcare Marketing and their video series on the Shift.Health content network called Marketing for Better Health. It's a greatest hits collection of videos by Dan Dunlop that provide tips for post-pandemic planning, addressing consumer fears, using effective content marketing to improve community health, and so much more. The first two seasons are available on demand at Shift.Health, so be sure to check it out. This series, again, is called Marketing for Better Health. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about the ROI of relationships. Where do human connections fit in your ROI calculations? I'll talk about that. Then Zane and I are going to dive into what the ideal vendor relationship should look like. And finally, Ed Bennett joins the conversation to give us the lowdown on how vendor partnerships are more than just staying narrow-mindedly focused on implementing their own solution. It's time to dive right in. You ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. Where do relationships fit in your ROI calculations? As data-driven as I am, I'm also keenly aware of the long-term nature of relationships. Marketing's short-sightedness is no longer an asset. I view it as a liability that kills too many effective tactics before they can prove themselves like chopping down a tree before it can bear fruit. This comes up all the time. For instance, people ask me what the ROI of this podcast is. I tell them about how one of my favorite consulting clients, probably the one I've actually done the most work for over the last couple of years, was a referral from a colleague who was a former guest. This wasn't necessarily a close colleague. I didn't know them very well until I invited them to be a guest. And I invited them not because I knew them very well beforehand, but because I had heard about some of the work they had done at a major health system. We didn't even necessarily keep in good contact until six months later when she referred the client to me. Thinking about this relationship, there was clearly a sense of reciprocity. Simply stated, that means when you give to somebody, there's an inherent desire to pay it back. So yes, I directly attribute that client to the relationship with that guest. At other times, people ask me what the ROI of engaging on social media is. 
I tell them about the client who found me from a tweet chat or another one that found me because of LinkedIn posts. Michael Roberts is the co-host of the Paradigm Shift of Healthcare podcast and the marketing director for Health Connective. He put it this way, Marketing is getting harder and advertising more expensive. Whenever we have the opportunity to build trust and new relationships with potential customers, we should seize it. End quote. Relationships are at the heart of it all. Content is merely the vehicle to move them along. So make time for people and you won't have to question the ROI anymore. And that's the flavor of the Week. All right, another episode, another chance to learn from Zane Ismail. Zane, how the heck are you? I'm good, Jared. How are you? I'm doing fabulous. I've just enjoyed this whole quest that we're on so far. We're, we're getting down the road a little bit. We have left the station and we are down the road on our quest. And I, I'm definitely learning as we go. Definitely. Me too. Um, sometimes I feel like we've opened a Pandora's box, but um, whatever. Let's just tackle it. <laughs> well, it's too late now. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Whatever we have done here, there's no turning back. That's right. <laughs> so Zane, you know, we like to uh, start each episode with thinking about what's the latest awesome thing that's that's come across our lives. And I'm just going to simply say networking relationships. And I don't think I often, I, I don't think I say it often enough. So I was speaking with our mutual friend, James Gardner. And this is why I'm sharing this, because James is a friend of mine, a friend of the program. We've known each other for years. He's known you. And mm-hmm. he's the one who connected you and me. And as it turns sure out, did. you and I had enough in common that that it made a lot of sense to actually bring you on as a co-host on the podcast. And I never would have met you if I hadn't met James. And, That's right. And uh, both of you are the type who will keep in touch proactively just check up on people just to see how they're doing. What What's the latest thing they've learned? You're both constantly thinking, who can I connect you with? Mm-hmm. And that type of business relationship, it just goes a long way. It's one of those things that it's just manifests itself at times that we may not realize. And it's, I don't think it's just serendipity or anything. I'm like, there are reasons why we end up learning from each other and, sure. and kind of being in the same circles at work. So I just, I think that's something to note. And that's just, you know, I would say that's one of the latest awesome things for me. I was just speaking with James this morning and he was introducing me to a handful of new colleagues that I'm like, I can't wait to get connected with these people too, because you know, that, you know, I have a lot to learn from them. So. That's fantastic. I think especially through COVID where a lot of us have been isolated for the last year, it's really highlighted like how many of the relationships that I have are, that are just sort of happened because I was around them. And then through COVID, you now have to actually be intentional about reaching out to people. And so it's really kind of sifted through some of my contacts to really see like who are the people that actually really want to keep in touch and want to continue to add value to my life and career and vice versa. And so I completely hear you on that one. Well, I'm glad you think so. I do. I, I just see how, how things evolve and change and, and it, it all does come back to the relationships we've developed, but mm-hmm. the, you know, the people who are kind of, yeah, in, in our lives. So Absolutely. with that, let's talk about people that come across our lives, namely 
vendors, how to pick the right vendors and how to turn those into partnerships that are actually beneficial besides just solving one problem for us. And here's what I mean by that. So if, if we like to start, as always, with this bit of a story arc in our episodes here with kind of what's the status quo, like what's the thing that needs to be addressed? What's the challenge and what's keeping it from changing or improving? For me, the thought about picking vendors of any type, and I'm referring to any anything, a tech vendor, this could be a web CMS provider, it could be a digital marketing agency, it could be an innovation and design firm, you know, it could be anything, you name it, any type of vendor who's providing some type of services to a hospital or health system or any other kind of healthcare organization. There's just a lot going on. And two words always leap to the the, the forefront of my mind when I think about how I have picked vendors when I was the one working at a health system and being addressed and contacted by all sorts of vendors every day, there were a couple of things that always leapt to the forefront. Uh, they were empathy and relationships. And yep. so, you know, it's not a coincidence that that's the awesome thing we were talking about, which was relationships. But there are those who just recognized, look, you guys have a gazillion things going on. I do think I have something that can help, you know, solve a certain problem for you guys, but I'm going to address it in a way that helps you recognize that I understand you have a lot of other things going on. So I'm not going to ping you mm-hmm. every three days because mm-hmm. it's near the end of the quarter and I need to meet yep. my quota. Uh, Cause I've had, I mean, who has not had that happen? I, and who, who has not been pinged by the salesperson where there have been some in my case where they went there and they were like, Hey, listen, I, I know this probably doesn't make a difference to you, but it'd make a difference for me because this, you know, I get to include this, you know, as part of this quarter, you know, it's, it's my quarter end. It's my month end. I really need this signed by five o'clock tonight. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, it's not going to happen. Like, wow. Like that is just not the reason for me to push this through all the way to, you know, all the stakeholders who need to sign off on this thing, because there's a reason why, you know, this isn't just I'm not picking a, like a different, I don't know. I'm not, not picking a drill, you know, like, like some basic thing. I'm, I'm picking, you know, some service that's tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of dollars in some cases. And I'm like, so I guess I'm always the kind who who just doesn't appreciate that type of pressure because I like to be conscientious. And, and I always felt like when I had the responsibility as a buyer, even if it was just for one aspect of things. You know, I wasn't the CEO, but I sure. but I felt responsible for the money that that the hospital was spending in any sure. capacity. So, yeah, there were a lot of different considerations there and it wasn't just sure like your solution might have all the right features and even all the right benefits, but you know, either timing's right or you're I just, you know, this is a relationship and I kind of see how that ebbs and flows with even just the way that we are communicating with each other and 9 times out of 10 the way that the salesperson initiated a conversation or a relationship with me was how it went after we went ahead and bought that solution and the implementation team and then the support team after that, nine times out of 10, they acted towards us the same way the sales team did. So I, I always felt like there was a lot to observe that way. So for what it was worth. I think, you know, for me, some of the the worst experience I've had with vendors reaching out is usually when it's like a very young or very new business development or salesperson who does not understand what the sales cycle looks like in healthcare. And so to your point, they think that a decision is going to be made in a few days and they don't realize it probably takes a few months, maybe a few quarters, maybe even a year. 
that's always annoying to have to explain to someone, you need to stop emailing me because we won't even talk about, you know, this recommendation isn't even going to X council until three months from now. And so good luck. Yeah, for sure. It's so true. We have all had that happen. We've all had that even happen just as LinkedIn outreach of yeah, yeah. trying to, and you know, then that's the other part that, you know, we all kind of grumble our way through. And I've seen people, I've seen sales professionals on LinkedIn try to comment when somebody's kind of ranting all, along those lines on LinkedIn. And then the salesperson jumps in and comments, but you know, what else, what else is the sales team supposed to do to develop new relationships? And I always want to jump in. I have to, I have to be careful. Like I don't want to be snarky. Yeah, yeah. Like we all know the answer to this. That's a rhetorical question, but I still want to answer it. I still want to go yeah. down that road and say like, listen, like it's not about you. Yeah. It's about the person yeah. whose needs you're trying to meet. Yep. And you know, I think, this connects to some of the advice we gave a few episodes ago where I think it's still important to take some of these calls. And I do, because I, being the innovator, I see this as a learning opportunity. And so usually, you know, someone is trying to pitch me a new technology or a new spin on an existing technology. And frankly, I want to learn it. And so if I'm, usually I'm honest with people and say, you know, I'm not a decision maker or I'm not sure that we're actually interested in what you're doing, but I, I personally want to learn. And usually they're still happy to chat with me and, 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 and actually those discussions, because they come from a place of honesty where both parties are being honest and there really is no pressure of a sale, where we actually form a relationship. And there's been times where months down the road, I'd reach back out to the vendor and say, hey, you know what? Thank you for educating me. This exact need came up you know, in a meeting. We're actually probably interested in starting to engage you guys to see if you actually could be one of our vendors. And so I think if vendors position themselves as educators, especially in the digital health space where decision makers generally aren't experts at digital or frankly at health, that could be definitely a way to start building those relationships and potentially convert to sales. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a, that's an admission right there to the salesperson to just observe as quickly as they can. Like at, at what level is this buyer aware? Are they 80% of the way through the buying cycle? And are they aware of this particular feature versus this other one? Because if not, then they're not really going to care about that sales slick that you've got that compares you to competitor Y. So just observing as quickly as possible, that that helps. And then I probably would be remiss if I didn't mention the, you know, probably the best pitch I've gotten from a vendor, uh, at least in recent memory, was a number of years ago when, so when the, when this podcast started, just a few months, you know, later, still at a hospital. And I got a package one day from my rep at Yext and it was a rhyming dictionary. No way. Because they, and they, it was just a little card and I had connected with the rep on LinkedIn, but we hadn't had much interaction at all or engagement really at all. But they found out about the podcast. They listened in and they're like, Hey, just hope this, hope you find this useful as you're doing the healthcare rap. And I, and I thought that's amazing. And so when their uh, senior salesperson followed up with me, I was like, yeah, out of everybody I've ever met, I'm going to make sure you guys get on our schedule. You know, we're, we're going to bring you guys in and we're going to listen to what you have to say. I'm like, and I, I did kind of have to say like, I'm not the only decision maker here, but listen, like that just told me that, yeah, you guys knew what, we're, what I'm all about. Yep. Yeah, the other thing I really like when we are getting, you know, pitched heavy by a vendor and they come in for a presentation, I really enjoy vendors who can read the room really quick and just skip 
all the fluff and just get to the point. And there's actually been a few vendors that have done that for my work and actually complimented them. I thanked them. I said, you know, thank you for getting straight to the point and not wasting our time and not trying to lecture us on things we're already expert in or already know. And they did enough homework to understand where organization is and was. And they literally just zeroed in on exactly where their solution could fit into our strategy. And it was excellent. And frankly, we selected them. So it works to do your homework. That's awesome. That's, I'd consider that one of the opportunities for vendors to improve. That's one area we like to go and do next, which is opportunities to innovate. Uh, there's a couple that come to mind for me. One has to do with a quote that has stuck with me from Paul Sablowski, who is a well-known marketing consultant who is a former a VP of brand experience at Texas mm. Health Resources. Okay. And uh, he had a really good quote it, when he has been consulting on behalf of vendors to them to help them improve their, their close rate. One thing, he will go in and, and dig through their pitch deck and he will go slide by slide and, and just pitch questions to them like, hey, have you ever thought this and this? So he has a great process and a great service that he offers to do this. And in that process, he, he's come across this phrase that, that he's kind of developed about, listen, this is not about your selling process. It's all about the potential customer's buying process. Like mm-hmm. this all has to do with how difficult it is for them, you know, to understand who all the stakeholders are. To your point, Zane, about the sales cycle, understanding that not like the, the potential buyer doesn't care that, oh, you're structured. This is the division of this underneath this other thing. Here's your parent company. Like you don't even need those slides in your pitch deck. Yeah, like, don't care. Like people, like it's table stakes that you have enough authority in this subject to be speaking to us here at the table. So there's that. And then I think one of the other opportunities to innovate has to do with the topic that we've actually had on the podcast a, a number of times. Uh, but Christy Ebong from Orbita has coined this phrase to me. And it's another one of those things that just sticks with me, which is a big consideration that I still see a lot of opportunity for innovation for vendors is to sell it not in isolation, like not just sell your one solution in a vacuum, but to actually show that you care and you recognize that that one solution probably has to integrate data with something Mm -hmm. else. And if not, that there's an opportunity for the health system to benefit by doing that. And so not just sell them, hey, that one problem that we can solve with this one thing, that's all we're going to care about because the buyer has to care more about that. <laughs> they have to explain where that data goes. They have to explain, hey, why did you buy that that thing when we have sale? You know, why did you buy, you know, into that CRM that doesn't tie into Salesforce? That makes no sense at all. You know, exactly. we have this other ecosystem. So being aware of how things tie in and they integrate. The phrase from Christy, was that if we're not careful, we'll have this glut of point solutions and, and they don't mm-hmm. they don't talk to each other. And that's kind of what a lot of health systems are experiencing now. And I see that as a challenge on both sides. It, it is ultimately the health system's responsibility to, to understand that before they buy into a solution. But the fact is, sometimes we didn't know early on that such and such platform needed to tie into other things. Like we just didn't, we didn't ask, we just didn't care. We're like, we just know that solves that one thing for us right now. So absolutely, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And so to your point, like a lot of health systems that I'm familiar with are pursuing what they call like enterprise solutions. And what they're trying to do is exactly that is minimize, you know, how many different point solutions do we have? 
And they want to ultimately make sure that everything integrates into their kind of their foundational infrastructure. So be it the electronic medical record or their CRM tool. And so if if you know going into a meeting that you can't integrate well into those things and you should be able to figure out what they are from the outside, you're probably dead in the water or you're going to have to be pretty dishonest in your sales pitch. But then you can also flip the coin too. And you know, for some of these point solution companies that are looking to do something different, I would then start to look at, you know, how do you get bigger and how do you become more than just the point solution and start to look at, well, what are what are some of the other vendors that my potential clients and customers are already procuring? Is there a way for me to partner, merge, or come together with them so that together we can present as a more fuller solution, if not the entire solution? I love it. I love it. These are all these are all just important things to think about and and consider when we're making the these decisions and they have to get made. <laughs> Day in Absolutely. and day out. And so that's an important part of what, what we're all ultimately doing, which is hopefully improving the efficiency and, and the revenue opportunities at our hospitals. And so, yeah, all, all just things to think about. So as I think about one tactical step, which is kind of our call to action as we, we wrap up each topic, uh, a tactical step that leaders can take in this direction. I, I'm just going to make a, an outright plug here because I, I believe in it. There's a directory called martech.health. So mm-hmm. for, for those who are, Looking in particular for uh, for digital marketing uh, products and services and platforms, and, and that's everything from uh, consumer data platforms to CRMs to a web CMS to uh, someone who makes who's producing podcasts for you, whatever it be, advertising agencies. This directory martech.health it's free to look up, but it has been uh, wonderfully curated by Ed Bennett, the OG. Uh, I mean, out there in, in healthcare digital marketing, my goodness, everyone knows Ed, and. Uh, he has turned this into a directory that's extremely useful. He said when he, you know, when it was his job to be selecting the vendor, he wished there was a tool like this that you could go and look up reviews of what other, you know, former customers have said about a particular vendor for a particular use case at a hospital. So it's a subset. It's a it's a directory that you can just look up and check out uh, who's out there, who's available, and it's the, it's that starting point to at least uh, figure out where to go from where you are now. And so, yeah, just highly recommend checking that out, martech.health. It's a, it's a free directory. Any of us can go check it out and, and just see who's there. We need to check that out for sure. Cool. So, uh, and uh, what about your call to action, Zane, here? What's a tactical step that leaders can take? You know, one thing that I would, I would say is like get down on one page what your, call it your partnership or your vendor philosophy is. And so what I mean by that is some of the things we discussed, like if, if there's a point solution you're looking to go after, think about, you know, what are the things that we need to integrate with for us to say yes? You know, what are basically all the points that a vendor would need to hit before you could, you would potentially be willing to entertain or even say yes to a solution. I find doing that exercise is something that a lot of organizations haven't done. It might be in their head. It might be in a few heads of the key executives, but it's not articulated and it's not written and it's not codified or, or published. And to do that is, I think, a, a great step in just creating a lot of clarity and a lot of process around around this whole procurement of vendors and call it procurement of innovation. And it's something all of us need to get way, way better. So 
consists of so many vendors, so little time. Expecting me to know them all is practically a crime, but it's what my job's about. Yeah. It makes me want to shout. Yeah. I need some help deciding who to use without a doubt. Something everyone wants. Like a secret decoder. Something everyone needs. Like your own baby Yoda. Help me to choose. I can't afford to lose. Isn't there a website that I really ought to use? Martech.health. Martech.health. Do yourself a favor. Check it out for yourself. Need to find a vendor? This is the way. Martech.health. Who you gonna pick today? Martech.health is the vendor directory built specifically for healthcare marketing, communications, and digital professionals. People like you. Founded and run by the OG himself, Healthcare Internet Hall of Famer Ed Bennett. It's designed to make your next vendor selection process less painful. And here's why. Over 600 vendors across 40 industry categories, verified vendor reviews and ratings from your peers, a resource library of articles, videos, and events, plus an anonymous messaging tool to get your vendor questions answered without worrying about endless callbacks. All of this is free to use and share. Check it out at martech.health. Hey, seriously, this is like no big deal or anything, but we've got Ed Bennett in the house this week. So uh, we're, we're, we're kind of like freaking out here and uh, really excited to have Ed on the program. Ed's the founder of the MarTech.Health directory, among many, many other things. I mean, like everyone knows Ed. So Ed, how are you doing today? I'm good. Good to be here, Jared. Thank you. When I think back at, it's almost like those origin stories. of like, how did you first get to know so-and-so? How did you first meet so-and-so? <laughs> and I actually have no idea when you and I first yeah. met. It's like, you know, we keep going to conferences and we sort of like pass, you know, see each other and wave. And then we, at some point we actually sat down and over a cup of coffee and had a real conversation, (laughs) but I can't remember when. I can't either. That's great. Normally I can. Well, you know, come on. After all the conferences that we've been at uh, over the decades, it's all blurring together. And of course, especially when they're all at the same place, they're in the Las Vegas or they're in Arizona or they're in Florida. So <laughs> it, it just gets all mixed up. What about the one in Toronto, Ed? I think that's, oh, that's where right. I first heard that's you right. meet. That's right. The, the first time uh, Zane and I met was at a Ontario healthcare conference. And this is going back really like years 20 years. years almost, maybe, maybe not. I think it was my first speaking engagement outside of Maryland. And uh, it was just a lot of fun to be in Toronto, which is one of my favorite cities anyway, and to uh, meet folks uh, in the healthcare industry in Canada. So yeah, that was, that was good. Nice. We like to ask lately kind of to break the ice. What's the latest awesome thing you've heard about? It doesn't have to be healthcare related. It can be if you want, but uh, no. anything come to mind? Well, I, I sort of think about what's occurred in the last you know week or month or so that I thought, yeah, that was really good. It is healthcare related. My wife and I, over the last, I'd say, three weeks, have, for a variety of very routine reasons, had um, three different virtual doctor appointments. Nice. And I think the most remarkable thing was how routine it was. No big deal. Reached out to my primary care physician and said, hey, it's time for my annual. Or they reached out to me, let's be honest. It's time for your annual physical. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. um, after a couple of emails or messages back and forth on the portal, my doctor said, we're going to be doing this virtual. There was no need for you to come in and just routine. Now, there were some hiccups, but in general, the idea that this is now just how we do business, that's a pretty remarkable thing. It's very good. Awesome. And were, was it just through your phone or any computer? Or? Oh, this was, this, these were Zoom calls. Um, oh, nice. Now, okay. they were Zoom calls through, you know, branded 
hospital sure. branded domains and systems, they were basic Zoom calls with video. Nice. And what about billing and pricing? Was it expensive or consistent? No, I mean, or? it was it was treated as a, an office visit. The one doctor, his, the office called me back. I found this kind of amusing. Mm-hmm. Called me back like two hours after the visit and asked for my credit card number to process the $15 copay. Nice. Uh, okay. They're on top of things. That's cool. But I guess if I had gone there in person, I would have given them my credit card and paid sure, the sure. right there. So that's, that's fine. There, you know, but still, it's not quite at the level of businesses having a Zoom call between each other. There's still a lot of sort of extra steps you'd go to with a hospital. Sure. I had one place that said, we have to call you by the phone and get your permission to send you an email with oh a link God. to the Zoom call. Yeah. Okay, fine. If it's a phone call and, you know, that's how they handle it. But, um, you know, that's just the normal friction that you have with healthcare. And, uh, but overall, it's working. Nice. Well, it is. It's good to hear because this is another one of those things of, hey, being in healthcare, every single person on this planet can relate yeah. one way or another. Like we are consumers. I mean, that's, that's always what's different from other industries. And so, yeah, it's just as valuable to hear that from, from us in the industry. I find it refreshing to hear that from our colleagues and, and remind ourselves that we're not just, and I say just in quotes, you know, but, <laughs> but that we're, we're so focused on the day-to-day of what we do and the yeah. value we're trying to bring on one side of the equation that, hey, let's, let's remember that we've got this thing as consumers. Well, one of the hiccups that is I think people maybe don't realize they can do this or whatever. One of the visits was with a doctor who had some images up, some di- you know mm. basic routine uh, x-rays and things. And he said, can you see this? I said, no, I can't. I, I see your camera. I see you because you're using your camera, but he hadn't shared a screen. Ah. So he didn't quite know how to share a screen or whatever. It wasn't a big deal. But that's the little type of stuff that sometimes yeah. I think people that are not in outside of healthcare we have it all set up ahead of time. Sure. I see um, a lot of health systems are starting to do a lot of education with their providers around called the website manner, mm-hmm. where they where they teach all these tools and tricks. And sort of to an earlier comment you made around the process not being perfect, what I've noticed is a lot of health systems are trying to digitize, call it an existing physical visit, as opposed mm-hmm. to building a net new digital experience. Mm-hmm. And so I think that could start to work out the kinks when you think of it that way. Is let's just yeah. build a digital visit, not digitizing an existing visit and workflow and pathway. And the other thing that was one of the three visits, they were 15 minutes late for the Zoom call. Oh, wow. I had a half hour window, but I just sat there. I mean, I'm, I'm doing other stuff. And 15 minutes later, they, they're there and they say, oh, sorry, we're late and, and moved on. Now, in a business setting, that wouldn't work. No, you, know, you wouldn't not. wait 15 minutes for a business call, you know, on Zoom. Right. That's normal for regular offices. You know, you go in the office, you sit down in the chair, you wait. Sometimes they're on time. Sometimes it's 15 minutes later. No big deal. Yep. But um doesn't really translate to the Zoom world. Wow. Yeah, especially sure. since you can't, I mean, you're sitting there in a room, sorry, on the Zoom room, if you will, right. empty. And so it's not like yeah. you can see that it's busy or hear yeah, that right. people shuffling around. So it feels even worse. Yep. Those visual cues, those auditory cues aren't there. And uh, just another example of how the two types of experiences are very different. Yeah, that's a good example of how we need to start asking different questions related to telehealth. Not just, hey, uh, how do we 
integrate telehealth or virtual visits into things? Or right. what do you think about telehealth? It's like, there are so many nuances. It's like asking, what do you mm-hmm. think about marketing? You know, right. like, <laughs> there are so many nuances all the way down the line that we just have to, let's start asking some deeper questions there and that'll lead to a better experience. Yeah. So, Ed, we want to talk today about kind of painting the picture of what the ideal vendor relationship or partnership should look like. This is so interesting because this is across the board. This is MarTech, but as we keep finding out, MarTech tools aren't an easily definable stack of platforms anymore. The latest, I mean, I'm just seeing literally today an article about how such and such health system is using their EHR for data-driven marketing, and which is hardly the first that's been done, but it's becoming more widely known that not just marketing platforms are involved now in creating an experience here. There are more vendors involved than ever before in crafting any kind of healthcare experience for patients. So what we're curious about, if we can just start from kind of what's the status quo, what's the challenge right now for finding vendors who are good partners? Let's just even talk about like what that partnership should look like. And then we'll kind of work backwards in terms of like what's the reality. I've been very fortunate in the 20 or so years that I've been in the healthcare marketing world to have some very good relationships with vendors who helped me with big projects when I was running a digital program at at the hospital system and vendors that I worked with for 10, 15 years sometimes. And then I had some other vendors that just really didn't quite make that cut. They sold something, they turned it over to someone to maintain it and there just really wasn't a connection there and it sort of fell by the wayside. I think the big factor is when you're, and again, this is not for little little projects where you're you know spending a few thousand dollars on some small thing. I'm talking about the kind of vendors that be really become have to become part of your your team, sort of like your external team members, and they're there working with some very serious things. Maybe they're your CRM vendor. Maybe they're the company that is responsible for development and maintenance of your websites. These are the ones that are really in there in the trenches doing a lot of work with you. So for those folks, you have to figure out, do you have a good personality fit? And a lot of times it's really hard to tell until you really get into maybe the discovery phase of what the project's going to be, or maybe you've gone through a couple of rounds with with an RFP. And, you know, when I was doing that, I used the RFP process, obviously for the nuts and bolts. Do they meet our criteria? Do they have the experience? Is their pricing right? All that stuff that the, obviously the finance department wants to make sure is lined up. But it's also an example to me of how do these, how does the people there behave? How do they interact with you? You know, do they just, maybe there's one phone call, they ask a few questions and then they turn, they they send out a boilerplate uh, response that you, you may, if you look through it hard enough, you might see some other companies' names in there that they didn't get the find, search and replaced on the right. Or did they reach out over a course of, of several times asking if they could clarify something or they wanted to dive, dive a little deeper in a particular aspect of what you were trying to do so they could better understand it. Those are the folks that would really sort of rise to the top and say, okay, these people really care about giving me the right proposal and they're demonstrating that they're the type of partner that I'd want to do business with. So those are sort of the intangible things that I look for. And I think now more than ever, 
you have to have that kind of good relationship, personal relationship, when um, you know when you're we're going through the types of things we're happening now with COVID. So, Ed, why is this so hard <laughs> for vendors? <laughs> because there are this all makes sense. It is a business relationship in in the truest sense of the phrase. It is where we're playing well with others. We're bringing new ideas to the table. We're not just staying narrowly minded, like narrow-mindedly focused on the one point solution that we're bringing. It's pretty clear when this type of partnership is there. So why why is it such a challenge? That's the nature of, there's like that 90% rule or sure. 90% of everything is crap. You have a wide range of companies all trying to serve the same market. Maybe they're offering similar solutions. There's going to be a smaller group of those folks that have people that have the qualities, the intangible qualities that we're looking for. I'm always looking for people that have a lot of experience in, in our industry so that I'm not having to explain why health, you know, how hospitals and healthcare organizations behave the way they do. <laughs> so they have a lot of experience. They have knowledge they can draw on when problems arise. This won't be the first time they've seen this particular type of problem and they have ways of dealing with it and solutions for it. But mostly it's that, that interpersonal uh, skills mm-hmm. of being able to connect with people, support them, be there to assist them as they're trying to achieve the goals they've, they, they're faced with and um, leading, leading from a place of offering solutions instead of trying to just sell something. And I think, uh, I think it's just the nature of, the, of, of people that there's a smaller, it's a smaller group of people that have those intangible skills and uh, those are the folks you want to seek out. It's powerful. It's a powerful reflection. It's sort of that emotional piece, mm-hmm. uh, the connections that humans build with one another that enables the partnership. Right. I guess one question I'd have for you, Ed, given you know, your background and all the folks you're connected with is what ways might we innovate in this space around making it easier for either vendors to partner with health systems or even vice versa? Are there some concrete examples you've seen or are there things you've been thinking about that could make this a whole lot easier for health systems and vendors to come together? You know, one of the things that, and this is really, I'm going to talk about one of the things that was really a driver for me to start martech.health. And that was the activity that I saw at conferences that I would go to over the years, where people from healthcare organizations would network with each other and support each other. Even when it was quote unquote a competitor in your same geographic area. Many times there would be a real sense of these are my colleagues. We help support each other. We're fighting the same battles. <laughs> and at those same conferences, and this is what's really so sad about what's happened with COVID, at the same conferences were the vendors who had those kind of relationships and people would get together. And you could really get a sense of what kind of organization is it I'm dealing with, by the way. Mm. You know, they presented themselves and, and so forth. That's now missing, been missing mm-hmm. for the last year and a half or so. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that what vendors need to do is really try to focus on that outreach, even when there's nothing to sell. I have, I have one mm-hmm. particular company, that person that reaches out to me like every six months for just a 10-minute chat. Mm-hmm. What's new? How are you doing? Not selling me anything just maintaining that connection. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's something that we have, vendors, I think, have to do a little bit more of to recognize that now that we've we've lost that physical face-to-face communication, we need to really ramp up the other commun- types of communication to keep that going. I love that. I think that's a powerful 
insight. And so when you're, when you're talking about that, I kept thinking about the saying where people say innovation moves at the speed of trust. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, by not having these in-person meetings, we've lost or potentially lost opportunities to build trust right. between vendors and health systems. And, you know, as I think about my own work, there are a few vendors who reach out who are almost like friends just to say hi. Mm-hmm. And, and as I think back, you know, those are the people that I that I reach back out to and would definitely consider. Actually, one of them is a pharmaceutical, so it's not technology, but they literally just reach out and say, hey, Zane, how's it going? We heard you guys are doing this in Detroit. Anything we can do for you? Like, we're not here to sell more, right. more drugs or anything. And it really makes a difference. Absolutely. One additional question I had for you, Ed, is I spend a lot of time working with like younger companies, startups, some of them who are in the MarTech space. Do you have some advice or opinions for maybe young companies that are trying to go after, you know, a big health system, how they might position themselves or what would be the key things that they need to know? Well, I think, so you're talking about companies that maybe the folks at the company haven't had a lot of uh, healthcare experience. Correct. So maybe it's a startup and, you know, I think the best thing that could happen for those companies would be for the head of the company to do those introductions. Sure. So the head of those companies, typically, whoever founded the company does have healthcare experience, is setting up, recognized a need and then brought a team together and developed a company to serve that need. So there's going to be someone at a senior level who has the experience and for that person to sort of initiate the calls with their prospects Mm -hmm. and bringing their sales staff or customer service staff as part of that call. And then use that as an opportunity to not only introduce themselves and what they're doing, but also be put themselves in a position of saying, we want to learn from you. Tell us what you're, we have the solution, but, and we want to hear your opinion about, does this, would this, how does this, would this help you? What are we missing? Is there something that we should focus on more that would be more valuable to you? Let's kind of get into that framework where you're asking the person, you know, to give advice and feedback on what you're doing. That's just a kind of a the framework of the relationship where you're respecting the knowledge and experience of the person that you're selling to and showing that respect by getting by soliciting that kind of input. Yeah, when you think about just how everything we're talking a, a subset of a subset of vendors. I mean, health, mm-hmm. healthcare and MarTech and both sides are relationship-based. And so it, it just feels like yeah, compared to other industries, even other parts of healthcare, everything is relationship-based and the buying yeah. cycle just tends to be a little longer. And so mm-hmm. uh, when there are you know uh, resources to help just get past the initial brain freeze of where do I even start to pick right. a vendor? Like that's, uh, that's, what's great to, to know about resources like martech.health because similarly, I, I know uh, your motivation for it was, Hey, I wish there was a tool like this when, uh, when I was the one having to pick mm-hmm. all the vendors uh, for all the big term, you know, the long-term stuff and the, and the short-term stuff. And having been in that same situation, I, I felt the same way of, yeah, I, w- I wish this was around when uh, <laughs> uh, there was something like just to get, going and and just to start because otherwise all you have to go on are your relationships. Mm -hmm. It's not whoever sponsored the banner ad somewhere, you know, or had the, you know, had the greatest, you know, even booth at a conference. I mean, like those, those might be some of the ones I eventually reach out to, but I usually started with who do I know? Yeah. So like that, just having those, having relationships at the core of everything still 
that's just one of those things to factor into any vendor partnership. Right. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure it's, you know, I realize I'm speaking to the choir here, but any health system I work for, the number one question, you know, leaders have when a vendor calls is like, who else are you working with that mm-hmm. we might know? Right. And we pick up the phone and call them. And, and right. pretty much if, if this health system and that health system are working with you, then we'll probably say yes. And so those relationships are yeah. prime. That's one of the reasons that in my directory, in order to have a listing, whether it's a free listing or a paid listing, you need to at least name three clients that you've worked with so that someone coming in saying, I need a, I need a reputation management company and here's a list of, of 30 or 40 companies. They can say, look at those and say, oh yeah, this company has worked with this kind of organization and this company, this hospital, and uh, they look like me. <laughs> so maybe, like they, maybe they might be, you know, someone I consider for, for myself. Now that's good because I find, you know, on our end, when we're actually making the decision, we I have personally found and I've caught, especially early companies in like, I don't want to say a lie, but mistruths mm-hmm. where they're not really working with XYZ, like Cleveland or Mayo. They're right. just talking to them and they misrepresent things. And so mm-hmm. as a healthcare or as a vendor procurer, it would be great to have a place to go to like validate, okay, they, they truly are working with this company right. or they truly are a partner to someone. So, yeah, and that's that's something that I'm actually I didn't even ask you to, to bring that question up. This is actually something I'm refining because I've always on my site gone to the vendor website and looked at their their testimonials because mm-hmm. I figure if a hospital has is, is writing a testimonial about how great their experience was, then they probably are actually working with them. Mm-hmm. I'll use that and I'll put that into the profiles and move on from there. But now I'm I'm going back and actually having conversations with those contacts and saying, tell me a little bit about your, you did a testimonial and that's great. Do you still feel that way? Mm, Uh, That's important. uh, And so forth. And then those folks are going to get a a verification mark on the directory to know that there was actually an in-depth follow-up by by me and my team to vet that these names, these hospitals that are named are actually uh, still uh, still accurate. Mm-hmm. Now, I bet uh, some of those opinions might have changed through COVID when we they, made... They might have changed, right. Yeah, when we made emergency um, calls. We need this right now. I still remember I was doing an RFP, a big RFP. This is for a huge content management system project. Mm-hmm. And one of the vendors who will not be named listed some references and I called the reference, I called the references and two of them said, I can't believe they gave me as a reference. Wow. But I'm so glad you call, called me. <laughs> and I had listened for an hour of, of horror stories. So I think it's always worthwhile to follow up and check in. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, see, yeah, even the term RFP, like it still sends shivers down my spine. Oh my I, gosh, do not, I do not miss that. Right. Uh, I had one where we had 18 vendors respond to a website <laughs> RFP. And I thought, what have I done? Like, uh, is there a way to change that? Do we have to always do that? I realize some of it's like guidelines and... There's a lot of, uh, I forget the name of the term, but there's a lot of requirements that you have to do to protect your organization so Mm -hmm. that you can't be accused of favoritism or giving something away to someone who wasn't qualified. So, you know, that's that's just business. I know something too that I'm seeing a lot is health systems looking to make decisions on their RFPs also based on like a diversity metric. And so increasingly, I know we've been asking for that type of information from some of the folks that we work with. Yes, diversity, uh, yeah, very important. And yeah, so there's socially, there's a lot of other factors that mm-hmm. are now being weighed that mm-hmm. 10 years ago, wouldn't you wouldn't even thought about. For sure. Ed, uh, you're giving us so much to think about here. I, I just think it's always good to, you know, come up for air, 
to evaluate how a partnership can be improved. Just make sure we're asking the right questions and we really are checking on things and and not just let things keep going because we've been doing them that way in the past. So there, there's yeah. always room for improvement here with these relationships. And Ed, as we start to wrap up here, I want to give you a chance to kind of share a call to action for sure. our listeners. My call to action is uh, really, really simple. And this is, this is a call to action for anybody working in a healthcare organization that might be listening to this. I'm asking you to think about the one or two vendors that have that you're working with who have made a real positive difference to the projects and things that you need to take care of. And um, I'm asking you to come to martech.health and leave a review for that vendor. It takes less than two minutes. It's anonymous, unless you say otherwise, it's anonymous. So your hospital's name and your name won't be shown. I do verify them though. And that way you can not only thank the company that has done really well for you, but you're also providing really great information to your colleagues who might be searching for for someone and uh, they come to martech.health. And I know that from the traffic patterns on my site, the very first thing that people do when they come to martech.health as part of their research project is look at the reviews. I mean, mm. it's pretty cut and dry. The vendors who have reviews on their profiles are getting over 10 times the traffic of the vendors who don't have any reviews on their profile. So that's what people are looking for. And I'm sure that there have been colleagues that have helped you in the past when you needed to find a solution that you reached out to. Here's a way that you can do it in a safe way, anonymously, and help the whole community. Amazing. I'm glad you brought that up. And I truly hope our listeners will take you up on that. I can vouch for that. It doesn't take long, but it helps uh, yourself and helps other people make that choice. And anything we can do, I mean, this it's a it's such a great effort. I'm so glad it is a resource and a tool now for folks to help uh, know what they're doing. It makes all the difference for us. So I just want to thank you for your time. Uh, oh, give thank us, you. You know, it's a lot to great. think about, as always. And it's, it's, it's amazing. So, uh, man, stay safe, stay well. All right. All the best to you. Take care. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks again to Zane and Ed. And thank you for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. And if you did, please, this is really important for us. Please subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about this podcast. Healthcare Wrap is a member of the Shift.Health content network. Go check it out at Shift.Health. It's 26 podcasts and video series about shifting the way the healthcare is experienced. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks. And that's a wrap. 